our tapper. Someone set up us the bond. We get signal. What? Main screen turn on. It's you. How are you gentlemen? All your base are belong to us. You are on the way to destruction. What you say? You have no chance to survive make your time. Ha ha ha. Welcome to episode 36 of First Strike the Invasion podcast. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bass. And today we're looking at two spin-offs from the Invasion series. We cover every tie-in. We covered every tie-in. We did. Every official tie-in. And at the end of Invasion number three, they told us to go check out four books. These are two of them today. Uh, we're looking at Legion, the acronym Legion 89, number one. And Justice League Europe, number one. The two both are co-plotted by Keith Giffen who co-plotted the, plotted the uh, invasion, invasion itself. Too. So th- these are the actual spin-offs from that series. Uh, so we'll look at uh, Legion first, and then uh, stick around for Just League Europe, and then your comments. This is how the show works, and by this point... <laughs> if you don't know by this point, well, welcome to the podcast. Yes, and uh, you can go back. There are 35 other, ep- 36 <laughs> other episodes. We had yeah. a mini-episode at one point. All right, so, Bass, um, Legion number one, or Legion 89 number one, that's a, you know, that's... I don't want to be confusing about... Yeah, Legion is kind of... Uh, a know. lot of books. Yeah, there's a lot of Legions. <laughs> Legions. The issue is called Homecoming. It's got plots and breakdowns by Keith Giffen, script by Alan Grant, pencils Barry Kitson, inks Mike DiCarlo, lettering Gaspar, colors Laverne Kinzerski, assistant editor is Art Young, and the editor is Karen Berger. Uh, now, this cover is by Kevin McGuire and uh, Al Gordon, the JLI artists. Yep. And uh, they'll stick around for, like, uh, at least uh, a year. Um, Just doing covers? Just doing covers. I say a year, but I mean 18 issues, probably. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's, that's a nice run. Yeah. The art team basically stays uh, the same, except for Mike DiCarlo, who, uh, after three issues, you know, gives his position over to Mark McKenna, who does a better job of it. I think he's got a more yep. solid line work that works better with Barry Kitson than the feathery Mike DiCarlo. But uh, otherwise, this is the team. And eventually, Barry Kitson will become co-plotter on the book, mm. and Keith Giffen will leave after a year. So uh, leaving it in good hands. I, I thought this was a great series of the late 80s, early 90s, and it lasted a good while. I was excited to revisit the first issue. I was excited to read it for the first time. I never, I, I've heard of it. I knew of Legion 89, never read it. Uh, this is my first time. So I'm, yeah, this is, this is great. Well, you know what? Starting off with the cover, mm-hmm. I just love the cover. Yeah, we've got Vril Docs on a poster, sort of a recruitment poster, yeah. uh, like Uncle Sam. Exactly. And the, the rest of the Legion heirs, uh, are just going like, screw this. <laughs> it's like, the future is, is now, sign up today, and they're going, well, screw that. Uh, and this is pretty much the character dynamics in the comic. For years to come. Much <laughs> Real Dox is an asshole. <laughs> well, the first thing I noticed was the uh, the Durlin uh, mm-hmm. up in there. I, I didn't know there were, like, other than uh, Chameleon Kid. Didn't boy. Know there were, uh, Chameleon Boy, yeah. Well, who's Chameleon Kid? Another guy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Durlin. I got. Uh, I was kind of surprised there was Durlin on there. And he's the only one still looking at the poster. Yeah, he thing. seems to be the real ally. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll spoil the series or parts of the series. Oh, good. Spoil uh, away. It's at the end. Yeah. There's a whole generation born after this came out. I mean, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we'll talk about that after. After. 
uh, once we talk about what happens in the first issue. Perfect. Uh, but uh, yeah, that Durlin has actually has a connection to the Legion of Superheroes later on, Ooh. as does Vril Dox, because he's yeah. Brignac 5's ancestor. And you can tell that, you know, there are characters in here that do have links to the actual Legion. The actual, uh, yeah, later, but earlier legion of superheroes of superheroes yes. um so let's look at the what happens in the issue so if you remember during the invasion the dominators kidnapped and experimented upon members of non-human races to see if they had the metagene a group of these escaped starlag prison in no small part thanks to real docs the son of the little known villain we call brainiac <laughs> uh, now they're going home and docs has insisted on being dropped off first except when they reach kolu their ship is immediately attacked by the computer tyrants who sold Brainiac 2 to the Dominion. And we find out that this was part of Dox's plan all along. He wanted to depose the tyrants, but couldn't do it alone. So he manipulated this group into helping him. And not for the last time, let me assure you. Uh, so over the course of the issue, the ship will crash, the team, if we can call them that, will be taken prisoner, and they will seem to be killed when the computer tyrants blow up the cell block rather than see Vril Dox uh, escape. After this issue, Dox will indeed successfully free Kalu from the tyrants and use that to form the Licensed Extra-Governmental Interstellar Operatives Network, or Legion, hmm. a police force that would include science police-like troops, but also these core characters, as well as Lobo, uh, Valor, and the time-lost Phantom Girl, among others. Oh, wow. So this is a very, very early... I mean, this is going to be like a four-issue, probably... I don't remember exactly, but... Let's build the team, yeah. and then we have a status quo. But it doesn't start with a status quo. So basically, this is where the Legion of Superheroes kind of gets its roots. Suddenly, yeah. But actually, you know, it's interesting because the the DC Universe post-crisis yeah. is all about legacy. You know, it's the, the transferring of the Flash from Flash to Flash is yeah, the, exactly. the big symbol of it. But the Justice Society is now in the actual historical past of mm -hmm. the present heroes, and uh, the present heroes are inspired by them. Yeah. Know them to be in their history. So it really becomes a story of legacy and heroes, you know, a changing of the guard every so often, but, you know, looking back at your precursors. Yeah. And that's the post-crisis. What I like about the, the post-crisis DC Universe is that. Yeah. The idea of yeah, the I love legacy. That. This yeah. is, it's, it's all my bag. That, that I continuum. Love that. Yeah. yeah. So some people love the multiverse and that all these things could be on different planets. Uh, or different dimensions. I I like the idea of interdimensional oh, yeah. travel, but I much prefer, I think, the idea of that continuum. So in the best of both worlds, there is that legacy, the long history of Earth-1, which would include the Justice Society and, yeah. and the Legion at the other end. And then there would be... You could still have reverse Earth. And, oh, absolutely. You know, I just like Nazi the idea, Earth and whatever. I like the idea of the multiple universes, but as um, what-ifs or elseworlds and, yeah. and all that stuff. Even if you could visit them, yeah, that's fine. But I think the longer continuum where the heroes don't just pop up yeah. five years ago, which is more or less yeah. what always feels like. I like that a lot. And so by giving, I mean, this is sort of controversial in a way, because you're saying, oh, well, you never knew, but the Legion was sort of inspired by this precursor Legion. Yeah. Even though the Legion never mentioned it, didn't really take its name from it. There's a thousand years in between. Exactly. I don't know what my ancestors were doing a thousand years ago. And even if they were, maybe they don't see themselves as being directly connected, but... You know, the science police might be, or, you know, just how things 
change for maybe the better between quotes. Yeah. Uh, but because we do have uh, Verldox is like the ancestor of Brainiac Five, as we yeah. said. Uh, in here we have uh, the Durlin. The Durlin will turn out to be R.J. Brand, <gasps> the father of Chameleon Boy. My lord! So he's really from this time, and then gets bumped into the future where he then helps create the Legion mm -hmm. because he worked with another Legion and sees the usefulness in that. I think that, that may be it. Uh, Strata in here is a Dryadian or Dryadin, same as Block. Yeah. In the issue, the, the um, computer tyrants scan her and think she's male, but she will turn out to be female later by, you know, by issue six or something. Her shell breaks, and then inside she's crystalline instead of rocky. Maybe she's neither male nor female in this. Okay, yeah, and then, that could be it. Yeah, also. and then, ah, oh, it's a girl. <laughs> I think that's the moment. But you're genderless when you're you're young, and then either you... Larva, pupa stage. And you either stay rocky, or the crystal yeah. breaks out. And very interesting character, because the outward appearance is... It's not a you know a mammal. Yeah. So uh, to have like there's just this bulky male-looking appearance and still be female it was a very interesting, very interesting, spin and on, very, on. very uh, before its time, yeah. and, and for a brick character, yeah. Yeah, almost exactly. literally <laughs> being like the super strong member of the yeah. team, uh, the big beefy, yeah, the tank, the tank, yeah. So that's an interesting twist as well. Larissa Maller. Here is the Shadow Champion of Talok 8, so the direct ancestor to Shadowlass. Mm -hmm. And she won't stay in the series for all that long, and she'll be replaced by her daughter. Legion will have had two Shadow Champions, and obviously Legion of Superiors later. Uh, the others have, you know, kind of look like... Garen Beck kind of looks like Timberwolf, but yeah. there's no... There's no relationship It's just there. the hair. Yeah. And Stealth is an original character as well. Like I said, eventually Phantom Girl gets lost in time, becomes Phase, an amnesiac okay. Phase, and Phase is a member of the Legion. Uh, Lobo, also a Keith Giffen creation, is sort of manipulated by Vrildox into joining the team. I think that's going to be a <laughs> common theme, a recurring theme, Vrildox just manipulating people to do what he wants. Yeah, that's very much... I think it's like the people in, in this Legion don't want to be there mm -hmm. uh, or decide that they want to be there just to temper uh, Vrildox. The series lasts 70 issues plus five annuals, and then it turns into Rebels uh, after Vrildox's son uh, takes over Legion and turns it into a space Gestapo, and then Rebels lasts another 17 issues. Uh, then it gets a second volume much later that lasts another 28 issues. Wow. And an That's annual. a long run. Yeah, it's a great run. And it's Brainiac 3, the son of Vrildox. Basically, your villain is a baby. <laughs> it's like a super <laughs> smart baby who tries to take over oh, wow. your organization and succeeds. So <laughs> That's a smart baby. <laughs> All these parents that think that their baby is, like, super smart because they can count when they're three or something. Well, this baby is really, you know, overachieving. Taking over planet. <laughs> yeah. and, and evil. And evil. It takes after his grandfather. Oh, all yeah. babies are evil. Oh, well, there you go. If a yeah. baby had that intelligence. Oh, it would be evil. <laughs> Not that Vrildox is no. particularly nice. I mean, it's a bit of um, the mean. The, the the ends justify the yeah, means. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's a ends justify the means type of guy. I think probably top five DC characters. Oh wow, maybe top ten. Let's say. Oh okay. 
That's, you know, your top five has a lot of, of course. big guns. Of course. Nobody has, like, X-Lister there. Uh, X-Lister. No, maybe an X-Lister because those are the ones that need love. <laughs> yes, they You know, do. like, Ambush Bug is in my top five. He's great. So what did you think of the the story? The, I mean, the little bit that you got to see because it, it is a very short tale. Well, it's it, it really feels like a beginning. It feels like something that's just starting off. And, of course, you have all these people just saying the whole name of everybody every time they, they have interactions. <laughs> yeah, let's um, make sure... Let's exposition make, and exactly we know who everybody is and you know even the you know the computer scans and everything telling us who everybody is etc etc i really enjoyed it it was uh how can i don't know how to say this but it was intriguing it was just intriguing i was wondering what we have this like a history of the the What's his uh, planet again what's this planet i, I can't remember Kalu, the, the computer tires yeah uh, you know the whole the Brainiacs thing. I never knew this, that they were a bunch of... I always thought Brainiac was like some kind of Kryptonian who... I never knew who Brainiac yeah. was. Well, in the cartoon, it was like a, a Kryptonian computer, and they've had different origins. But this is... It, it kind of brings uh, a whole new light on the Brainiacs. You know, he's... Uh, the first one was evil and manipulative and, you know, super smart, but they're not all like that. And, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the fact that Real Dogs is just manipulating everybody into being a team. And uh, the story is, is just starting. I can't really tell you anything yeah. about the story. I, I did really like uh, how they escape from that little prison type thing. And uh, I think that Real Dogs understands how the computers work. And he just uses that to his advantage. I, I just... I, right now, I really like the start of this story. I don't know where it's going. I'll probably read it all now. Because of this first one, um, you made a good point. You don't know where this is going. I don't know where this and is going. That's I think was the charm and magic of a book like Legion. It doesn't take place on Earth. It doesn't have any characters that you want to keep alive necessarily. No, you don't know where this is going, and not all of these characters will survive. Some of these characters will have like important revelations about them. Uh, they don't really want to be there. What kind of stories are you going to tell off? Earth, because, you know, you got your Green Lantern core. Yeah. There's not even a Green Lantern core at this point. There's yeah, not exactly, a working yeah. core. So they, eventually, you've got your Green Lanterns, and you've got your Dark Stars in this era, and you've got the Legion, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like too many police forces. Uh, at this point, it's like, this is replacing, they just killed off half the Omega Men, right? So yeah. this is replacing whatever cosmic stuff is going to happen, and it's a blank canvas uh, post-invasion. Well, yeah. yeah. But we you know, know who aliens are, but even, anything could happen. Even that being said, I didn't really read any of these books when I uh, when I was younger, yeah. so I have no idea about. I, I didn't figure. Oh, this is going to be replacing everything. I just thought, huh, this book is you know setting up something that I really want to know what's going on. It, it kind of feels like the first two episodes of The Walking Dead, where you just get to meet everybody, and then you want to know what's going on. And the book ends with a kababoom, you know, a huge explosion. And you don't even know if people are still alive or not. The only reason you know they're alive, it's because, you know, there's a next month. (laughs) But it's, uh, I I just thought it was a nice first start of a story that I want to know more about. I think it's just good storytelling for this little bit of an intro. Yeah, they really go for the cliffhangers. You know, you see the Derwin get blown up first, and then you see the entire team gets potentially blown up yeah. and uh in any case they've crashed on this planet where everybody's hostile to them so there's like how are they gonna get out of this and most of the time the way they get out of it 
The drill docs is just smarter than everyone else. Yeah, well. But I, you've also got a what is this team? How does how is this <laughs> gonna work when yeah. they don't think they're a team? Yeah. And there's a lot of what's going on? What's going on with this team? What's going on with this guy? What's going on with you know, why are they there? There's a lot of questions yeah. and Well it takes like I think um they start mentioning the invasion and then recapping only on page thirteen. So it, yeah. right away it's mysterious. Yeah. And then ah, oh, okay, now they catch you up. Uh, because these characters sort of disappeared in the second issue or something of, yeah. of Invasion. Yeah. And uh, they left They left before the Invasion was done. And in Invasion, I didn't really care about these characters. I didn't know them. So it's, Invasion was like a, oh, hello, type thing to these characters. And, and now we get to know them a little bit better. And I, I just like it. I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on, though. The art is very good, but very elaborate. It, it, there's a lot of little, a lot of lines, a lot of computers, a lot of yeah. <laughs> comic book computers. It's very reminiscent of uh, you know Kirby esque type stuff where you're wondering why are there circle things on the computers? Are, <laughs> is how, that really something you who, wonder about? Yeah, oh yeah. What are all these the dots in the sky? How is this functional? This is what I'm asking all <laughs> the time. How are these computers? Why did somebody do a part that looks like the you know, top part of a uh, PlayStation One. Why? Why would anybody do that? Square is easier to do. <laughs> I always think about these things. Why is everything modular? Can't you do one big thing and have everything inside one box? I always think about these things. It's a visual medium, best. I know, I know, but it, it it also helps with a lot with the perspectives and and stuff like that. And that even though there's a lot of stuff going on and visually it's full. I really did enjoy it because the characters kind of pop, and uh, everybody gets to do a little something. Um, you know, either there's some fighters who get to fight. Uh, the Durlin gets to shapeshift into a bug yeah. and a monster. The Durlin gets to Durl. He gets the Durl, and uh, the, the the Shadow Champion sort of creates a bubble around the yeah. ship at one point that confuses the Kaluan sensors. So. Everybody gets to show off a little bit of their stuff. You know, Garen Beck gets to complain because he's yeah. unpowered. That's the one character <laughs> I hope I get to like. Because I think he's important, but I, I don't like him. I'm like, ugh, why the bad hair? Why is Guile from Street Fighter complaining all the time? That's that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> no need for talk. Yeah, he's the snapper car of <laughs> the team. Oh. Um, yeah, no, of course. Somebody like that, you have to yeah. wonder, what is his... Destiny. I, I hope he's in, useful. In all of this, yeah. Yeah, is he going to be a Maxwell Lord or... A, well, no. I guess Vrildox is a, Max, a Maxwell yeah. Lord. Uh, is he going to be a Nobaran? Is he going to be... Uh, what, what is he going to be? Who's... Yeah. I really encourage you to read the rest of the series if you can. Is there like a, an omnibus of this thing? I wish. There's none. I'll be looking for it. I'll be trying to find it. I hope at least a couple of uh, trade paperbacks or something. Although I could just... You know, take them from you and, you know, bring yeah, them Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get them if, if I like them, you know. Oh, no, I don't think so. I'll email somebody at DC Comics just, to, you know. Yeah, so a, they a can... lot of the Legion material from this era is either uncollected or rarely collected. Huh. They've only, and I'm, I'm talking about Legion of Superheroes, so imagine this series. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't think it's ever been collected, and that's a great shame. I mean, this is the first issue and this is great storytelling uh, visually it's fun it's just great comics right now i'm just double checking and uh, ah. no. to the dollar boxes yeah well that's where <laughs> i got them yeah back in the day the first 
like the first year or whatever. It was okay. part of that batch where I, you know, where I got the first two years of Animal Man, the first couple of years of Legion was in there, the first uh, two years of uh, Morrison's Doom Patrol. I got all that from a comic book store sale. So hmm. uh, going out of business sale, and I helped them go out of business <laughs> by buying their comics cheap. <laughs> After they were going out of business. Uh, we're going to take a small break. Come back. Talk about Just League Europe. Yep. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series. Five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series. We have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. always have to say it that way haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship we're back we're talking about justice league europe number wow. one uh this is the other spin-off mm -hmm. also a giffen book uh, splitting up justice league international becoming Justice league america and the other side Justice league europe so that you would have two teams of this very popular group and uh it's comes out of invasion because i guess captain adam gets to be rewarded yeah. so to speak, for his role as a leader during the invasion. Now, I'm going to put my cards on the table right now. We're sort of doing these out of order, as I realized, uh, because Just League Europe number one does not mention invasion. There's nothing invasion related yeah, because right. the team is actually formed uh, in the back end of Justice League International number 24, which is very much an invasion tie-in kind of okay. thing. So invasion number three should have sent us to to that as well as Just League Europe number one, because the real start of Just, of Just League Europe is in that issue. We're going to do it next time. Yeah. We, we will. That's fine. That's fine. Because, I mean, all these characters were in uh, Invasion, and it is a Giffen book, so I guess that's the tie-in. Mm, yeah, but I mean, it, it does spin out of, but yeah. all the reason for creating Justice League Europe, all the reason for choosing these particular characters, it's got to do with Invasion. Yeah. But... We can only reveal it when we discuss Justice League International number 24, <laughs> which we will. It's just we're doing these out of order, and the fault is in Invasion number three's uh, yeah, yeah. back cover copy. They told us to read this, and then we realized it was not the complete story. Hey, maybe it's maybe it's Vril Docs manipulating us to... Well, Max you know, Lord in this case. For or sure. Max Lord to, uh, trying to get us to read Justice League Europe, and then... Oh, finding out why we have all of this afterwards. Right. We'll do it as a prequel yeah. all of a sudden. Uh, so sorry about that. I'm fine with it. And I'm sure you guys are fine with it. It's just me. I am a bit too anal for that. <laughs> so, okay. Just like you're up number one, then. Uh, how are you going to keep him down on the farm after they've seen Paris? Is the title <laughs> by writers J.M. DeMatteis and Keith Giffen. Artist Bart Sears, who, who was... Uh, an invasion artist, and Pablo Marcos. Letterer Bob LaPan, colorist Gene D'Angelo. Assistant editor is Kevin Dooley, and the editor is Andrew Helfer, with a cover by Bart Sears and Alex J. And you will recognize this cover concept. It is a déjà vu, <laughs> literally they say it, of Justice League number one. So uh, taking the, the layout from Kevin Maguire's original cover, where all the heroes are a bit lower than the camera yeah. and looking at us and with a you know cocky arms folded and Metamorpho even has a copy a copy of Justice League number one yeah exactly 
Uh, so that's uh, amusing. Well, it's amusing, and they break that fourth wall, but only for the cover, which is kind of weird, because they never break the fourth wall. In Just League either, although they yeah. use this... Uh... That's kind of a way for maybe foreshadowing that it's kind of self-aware. Uh, I mean, this, this book is slightly self-aware, that we always see group heroes doing group things, but we really don't know how they're organized. And... How do they get their information? How do they do? They watch the news. If they do, they're you know they're kind of late to everything because you know, news doesn't unless it's. Breaking. So you're saying that the book actually fills in the blanks. I think it does because Justice League does. Justice League is all about the in between exactly. The so that's that's what I think it's trying to do maybe. And this is a bit of a saying. Hey, this is comic book. And all the characters don't know they're in a comic book, but this will be what you people don't know about the comic books mm -hmm. or how it's done. Or Well, this was supposed to be... I was surprised at the level of humor. Yeah, yeah. Because this was supposed to be the Justice League comic that was more action-oriented, okay. more superheroic in well, the traditional sense. A lot of big guns in here. Because the Justice League international group was so focused on comedy that some fans, even though they might have liked it, felt there wasn't a whole lot of the you know, the superhero experience in it. Yeah. Skipping the fights was a bug, not a feature for some. <laughs> so Justice League Europe was a bit gonna be a little bit more on this, you know, traditional side. Okay. Uh, except it really isn't. I mean, it's not. eventually there will be more yeah. big fights, drama, longer arcs than in Justice League. So less of a comedy in a sense. But I think, I mean, the banter, it's the same sort of banter and behind the scenes. Yeah. It's a Rocket Red spinoff. <laughs> Rocket Red is Fraser going somewhere else <laughs> and he has a new team and a new leader. He's not the main guy. It's the Rocket Red spinoff. <laughs> which is great, which is great, because you get to see a bit more of, you know, bad hair. Uh, I'm talking about Power Girl in this thing. And, you know, you get to see something other than whiny Wally. Uh, Wally's so lascivious kind of, Wally? <laughs> actually, Wally's kind of off in this, but, you know, uh, you get to see, you know, costumeless uh, Animal Man. Animal Man and, and you, you get to see a stressed out uh, Captain Adam, which is all kind of fun. Well, let's go into the synopsis. Okay. And uh, then we can discuss it uh, more fully. This is the newly formed Justice League Europe, moving into their new embassy in Paris. Uh, France, obviously. But the team is beset with a variety of problems. Captain Adam is very nervous, as you say, about being chairman of this new team. Animal Man's luggage was disintegrated in the transport tube. And Wonder Woman has yet to arrive. As for the other members, you've got Elongated Man with Sudibni, of course. A Rocket Red, Power Girl, Metamorpho, and The Flash. Uh, embassy Chief... Catherine Cobert tries to keep everyone calm and even shows Captain Adam his new office. He helms his first meeting, but nobody seems ready to afford him any measure of respect. Uh, and as the uncomfortable meeting concludes, Catherine alerts him and the team to an emergency in the foyer. The JLE race to the front of the embassy where they find the bloody body of a man named Arthur Lennox lying on the floor. Before dying, Lennox muttered one word, braces. <laughs> Captain Adam leaves this to the police, though Ralph Dibney smells a bigger mystery. As suddenly, there's an angry mob that storms the front gates of the embassy. They shout the words, Nazi pigs, and demand that JLE leave Paris. And as the mob begins pouring in, the heroes try to pacify them. 
Just as suddenly, they all simultaneously calm down. None of them seem to know where they are or have any recollection of what they've been doing. Police Inspector Camus arrives to take a statement and reveals Lennox was a Nazi. Captain Adam feels that somebody's playing a nasty game and he is determined to find out who. To be continued. So you've got all these characters that they've, they've got together. I'll, we'll see them get selected and chosen when we talk about the JLI issue uh, that, that covers this. But basically, I guess Captain Adam, this is his reward for having led the, the troops during invasion. Uh, you've got uh, Rocket Red also moving from the JLA. Um, Animal Man, also a reward. Power Girl, also a reward. I think mm -hmm. these characters were, were sort of homeless as far as teams go. Yep. Uh, so they get rewarded with a spot in the Justice League. Uh, Metamorpho was reborn, yeah. resurrected during back Invasion. from the dead. Instead of going back to some sort of an outsider's team, which isn't being published at this point, uh, he joins the Justice League finally, some might say, since he was one of the few characters to refuse Justice League membership back in the 70s. Really? Him and Black Lightning. Oh, wow. Famous. Are the, they're not Hollywood, they're Neighborhood. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and uh, you've got some JLA legacy characters. Elongated Man, who was, of course, a member from, yeah. you know, way back. And The Flash. Although, this is Wally, but taking over Barry Allen's spot, let's say. Yeah. These are legacy heroes. What do you think of this uh, combination of heroes? Maybe even compared to the Just League International that you know? It kind of feels like there are bigger guns in this team, but it's, it's not really true. Um, Isn't it? Well, I don't know. How, I, I mean, Martian Manhunter is probably one of the strongest, most powerful superheroes out there. Mm -hmm. Combine that with a Green Lantern, and, and you got, you know. And Fire and Ice, they're much more powerful than they let on. I mean, they control fire and ice. I mean, who, <laughs> who can, yeah. you know. And the only doofuses in there are, 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 are blue and gold. And, and you add to that, I mean, Mr. Miracle and... Barda kind mm. of in there also. So, I mean, there are a lot of big guns on the other one also. In this one, it's just guns that we know a bit better, maybe? Flash, Wonder Woman, you know, Elongated Man, Metamorpho. Oh, yeah, Wonder Woman. I didn't even mention her, really, uh, because she well, doesn't stay. Of course, she's recruited in that Justice League International issue. She shows up here, as you mm -hmm. say, late. She's missing her lasso. That's probably yeah. a storyline in her own book. They appear in uh, New Titans Annual after this, okay. right after this, like the same month. And Wonder Woman is in the team. Never again. <laughs> well. She left as quickly as she joined. So I think it just wasn't working with the editorial office. So basically she's the uh, Captain Marvel Shazam from the other one. Oh, An wow. even briefer stay. So she's not going to stick around. Animal Man is actually the Captain Marvel. Really? He mm -hmm. stays very, very briefly. Just a little longer than Wonder Woman does. And then he just... I think it just doesn't work with their series, which yeah. were so involved in other things that it just became too difficult to... Yeah, I can see that. ...to respect the Just League Europe element. Yeah, I can uh, see that. So and, maybe and, it was a bad idea to put them in there, or it, they were always supposed... Well, maybe not Wonder Woman, because there's nothing going on, but maybe Animal Man is like, oh, it's going to be a thing. He's supposed to leave because family commitments. I mean, there's kind of a duplication in powers with Wonder Woman and Power Girl. I know she... <laughs> Power Girl is basically the female equivalent of, of Superman. I get that, but, you know, so is... Kind of Wonder Woman. Maybe maybe that was too many similar powers or all kinds of editing choices. Yeah, know. it's just odd that they would put them in there in the first place. Well, maybe it's just... A, and then it falls apart so quickly. Grab our attention, maybe. maybe. Anything can happen in Justice Leagues. 
apparently. <laughs> but yeah, so you've got the only European-ish character is Rocket Red. Yeah. Well, so they'll, they'll eventually add Crimson Fox, who was like a Paris-born character. But at this point, the other book is going to be more international. Because you've got Fire and Ice in there. Ice is from where? She's Scandinavian. Fire is Brazilian. Yeah. And then uh, they had Rocket Red, which was Russian. And the rest are all Americans, which is going to be playing off, you know, Americans in Paris. Yeah. Ugly Americans. Oh, well, that, uh, that type ugly of Ugly Parisians. <laughs> that <laughs> well. kind of stuff is really f- funny and fun in there. Especially if you... There's something to it that you know, uh, like we know French people. Yeah. Actual uh, French people. From, people from France. From France. And we know that culture and attitude a bit better than than, yeah. than most readers, let's say. The, the, the attitudes of the Parisians in here are very true to life. I think mm. Catherine Cabert is the more positive yeah. portrayal, but Camus and even the fact that the people are sort of striking out in the streets yeah. is sort of an inside joke for people who've been to France. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I like that setting. I like that they're going to be, that they didn't choose an English-speaking country. Yeah. They're not in London. That's cool. It just will create a cultural clash uh, that that provokes a lot of comedy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, Parisians and what maybe us Canadians or, or some people think as being the typical Americans... They're kind of similar. They're, they're kind of, you know, <laughs> attitude-wise, they're kind of the same thing. There's, you know, there's a bit of arrogance and there's a bit of, you know, boasting yeah. all the time. So that that clash is just going to be funny. But and it's it's a big city phenomenon. Oh, yeah. Paris is a big city. But it's also France entire has, let's say, I just last night I rewatched, not for this, but I just, I rewatched uh, Julie Delpy's Two Days in Paris. Okay. Okay. It's like a... Uh, before sunrise, before sunset, adjacent kind of. Uh, she made like a couple of films, Two Days in Paris and Two Days in New York, where a character very much like the one in Before uh, mm-hmm. Sunrise uh, has a boyfriend and she brings him home to, to meet her parents in Paris. And he's like a Jewish New Yorker and very, very uptight and hypochondriac and slightly neurotic. Very neurotic and doesn't speak in, uh, French. Okay. So to him, everyone, you know, he's in the, this bubble. And everyone is laughing at him or, you know, he gets very, yeah. very insecure in his relationship and in this world that is alienating to him. Yeah. But as a French-speaking person, we didn't watch the film with subtitles. We don't need to. <laughs> exactly. So the subtitles don't really do it justice because when you hear French people speaking as opposed to French speakers, yeah. you know, French people speaking, it's just like this big – it's always like this big fight if you're an outsider yeah. to it. It's just like they're just they're just arguing all the time and fighting and shouting at each other and it's like you're shutting at your cab driver while he's driving you and it doesn't to the outsider it's shocking and yeah. it, it'd be shocking to us as well because we're much yes, more polite <laughs> much more polite French Canadians were very polite yeah well French Canadians outside Quebec but yeah <laughs> well yeah yeah I, I think Quebecers are much closer to yeah, to France definitely uh, but French people I, I always feel like the Quebecers are very confrontational. Yeah, but this is a weird, you know, weird aside. But whatever, the <laughs> Quebecers are, are very confrontational, yeah. just like the French are. But I feel like they stay angry. Yeah, where Parisians or in like in the film yesterday, it's like blah, 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 they're just screaming at each other. And then when the the guy says, "Is everything okay?" and they all go, "Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah what? it's it's very much it's like, like this is just the normal." <laughs> 
normal interaction well, it's, it's, is very shouty. It's very reminiscent of that cliche where you have these two lovers just shouting at each other, then stopping, then and then starting to kiss. Mm. You know, it's very yeah. It's and, it's and that's how that's how they relate to each other. And I mean, you've seen it maybe in you know Italian films or you know, there's always people with Latin blood are just screaming at each other, and it's out yeah. of love. So <laughs> I think that's how uh, they get the anger out, and everything goes out, and then they don't stay angry. Yeah. It's just like so the Spanish, anger, the Italians, and the it's good anger management and the French. For the Americans in this, who are yes, you know, our idea of Americans are, you know, a bit more arrogant yeah. than a lot of other places. We own the world, kind of thing. Yeah. You own the world, and then you show up in Paris where they own the world, and they they are, <laughs> they have and, a lot of contempt for and, Americans, and they're shouty, and they're very shouty, and the Americans are going. Especially like a nice guy like Animal Man. or yeah. I, I'm looking at the team, and I don't know that anyone in here would be <laughs> on par. <laughs> you know, if, if they had like Guy Gardner, oh, I, then yeah. you'd have a fight. If they had a Latin character like Fire, yeah, sure. But this group, <laughs> they're just going, oh no. The only one who might be kind of shouty would be Power Girl. Yeah, because she Power has, Girl is very. Is she becomes, has no temper because she becomes shouty in this. She was not my favorite character in Justice League Europe because she became very much this uh, this character who had no patience. Yeah, she became the character who thought everybody else was goofing off. You know, the Justice yeah. League International has that as well. Characters are just ugh. Yeah, uh, you know, Black Canary left kind of over something like this. Yeah, uh, Power Girl is that character. So uh, especially if Wally West is going to be lusting after her. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's a bit of a hornball in this thing. And money uh, grubbing, money grubbing hornball. hornball. But this is the early Wally that not not, not necessarily whiny, but it's, <laughs> it comes from a place of whininess. Yes, yes, I think it does. <laughs> it it comes from I guess trying to f- figure out who we want Wally to be, who we want the Flash to be, and it can't be the same as Barry. The, I think they're trying to find this new Flash and trying to make him interesting yet different and. Uh, it feels like they're trying out some stuff. Wally. He was the trailblazer, which works for a speedster, but he was the trailblazer in the sense that when we talked about legacy earlier on, he's the first character to take on yeah. that legacy like consciously. Yes, there have been a flash before that and all that, but there, there wasn't like a passing of the torch. Yeah. With Wally, there has to be, because this is a new paradigm for the DC Universe, and so we feel all of his, his growing pains becoming the hero who... You know, becoming Barry Allen. Yeah. Becoming that version of the best version of the Flash that he can be, but he starts pretty far. After him, it becomes, oh, well, we're, we're switching it up. We're, we're changing Green Lanterns. We're, chi-. and, and these people can have a learning curve, yeah. but it won't be two years, three years in the <laughs> making the yeah. way it was for, uh, for, for writers for in the, in yeah. the making. Everybody goes, oh, within four issues, Cal Rayner is good enough. Yeah. Within four issues, you know the the new Green Arrow, Connor is fine. He's yeah. he's, he's Green Arrow, uh, so they, they'll get there much faster. But with Wally, it was like let's let's tell that story at least once yeah. of the kid who has to fill somebody else's shoes, and it's difficult. When you like Wally from the you know the Wade era, this is the parts that you cut out. <laughs> yeah, you'd, I'd be like, ah, oh, I I don't like Wally in this. Um, I don't but like the Wally from the. I mean, this is the the Wally in here, uh, immature. Is the Wally from the Just Sleek cartoon? I don't know if it fits. I don't know if it's just the clash of the uh, this very adolescent type Wally, 
with the Flash costume. I don't know what clashes, but something clashes. But I thought, yeah. I think the big thing was he he was talking about Wonder Woman as if she was, and and I know she's like a, a new superhero now in this world. She's not. Yeah. She's not this legacy. She's or as she's, she's as new as he is as the Flash. Yeah, and I think they're trying to establish that for some reason because he's talking about you know maybe I'll have friends with benefits with the Wonder Woman and and, and Wally would never say something like that in, in let's say the Justice League uh, Morrison era where he was one of the mm-hmm. younger ones him and Reiner were like what are we doing here we're teenagers or we're we're the the goof offs and these guys are the real yeah. deal right well this is the the start really because putting him in a team like this this is going to be the start of you're not as good as Barry Where were the others are comparing him to Barry negatively? Oh, oh well, that might be interesting. Uh, because you do have people who work with Barry. Yeah. In well, Elongated Man is, is that would be the guy who would ride, and because Elongated Man is also like the Flash's best friend. Yeah. Right in the Silver Age, so you've got two characters from the Flash legacy kind of thing. If you you count Ralph, and he's going to be the one saying, well, you know, Barry was better. <laughs> Barry would never done that or said that uh, because everybody else would be too young a hero to yeah. have known Barry, except for Metamorpho. But I mean, they weren't in the same circles or anything. Yeah. So uh, maybe that's you know that's part of the Wally's growth. You know, somebody keeps comparing you, and that pushes you forward. Where he's been sort of we we saw him in his own series, kind of standing still. Yeah. Uh, the whole hero bit isn't going well. He was rich, and he's now broke, and he's living in Barry's shadow. I mean, I understand it's hard for Barry, uh, for Wally, but yeah, still, he's he's gonna. <laughs> I know, I he's know, he's gonna grow up. He's I gonna know grow he's up. gonna. I know he's I gonna know. grow up. But can we talk a little bit about Power Girl's hair? We can. Let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about the art in general. But okay. um, your particular pet peeve, Power Girl's hair. Well, Power Girl. I mean, because this isn't the mullet that she had in Starman. This the hair is always changing. We're trying to find out what she's going to look like. This is going to be her haircut through most of the Justice League Europe era. It's it's just bad hair all the time, and the suit is bad. And, but that and, that changes though. She uh, gets yeah, that yellow and white suit. Oh yeah, without the cape, right? It doesn't the have a side cape. cape, or I don't think it has a cape. It doesn't have a cape, and it doesn't have a boob window. Yeah, so it's just like very very slinky yeah. and generic. I'm okay with the boob window. Because boob windows are, are, I guess, to me, they're okay. But this... Oh, this isn't the boob window either. This, this isn't the, the boob window. It's cleavage, yeah. This is the mega cleavage, which is... Uh, boob windows, you can fight in a boob window shirt, I, I'm guessing. Everything stays. This, I don't see how this works. So, I don't know. I Kryptonian just, firmness, although I know she's not Kryptonian, she's Atlantean, whatever. But, but <laughs> I mean, the suit is not going to stick on. I, I, are the big yellow dots that... Are holding her cape? Are they adhesive to something? Is it magnets? How is how does this work? But it's uh, coming. I know. But uh, art in general. I mean, we can feel the nineties coming on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you know a lot of lines, a lot of liney shadows. Um, I think the Bart series here either he's better inked or had more time to work on it or uh, it's really finding a style. I. I do like this better than his work on Invasion, which was some of his first work. Power Girl is maybe wonky, uh, but Captain Cabal looks gorgeous. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, and you've got a lot of you know I like when the fight breaks out 
characters are always popping out of yeah. the panel frames, and there's a lot of you know it feels three dimensional. Yeah, uh, I like the shininess of a character like. Uh, Captain Adam, the way that's done, there's a lot of, when we pull back, there's a lot of detail. And most importantly, because that's not true of a lot of, uh, you know, strictly 90s kind of artists, there are strong expressions. Uh, very much so. You know, it's it's close to what Maguire is doing over in Justice League International. The characters have different expressions. You can see, the, and expressions that you don't see on superheroes. Uh, so much so that I think we could take away all the word bubbles and still get a feel for the mood of what's going on. Um, the panels and the characters and the, the art itself speaks a lot. Yeah, and I think a, that's some, it's one of his uh, stronger uh, pieces, probably. Uh, you know, it becomes a little bit more extreme 90s by the time of uh, the Eclipso stuff. Mm -hmm. But here, the lines are like... There are like these thin lines, but they're still solid. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at uh, Rocket Red and uh, Animal Man. Uh, mm -hmm. just, you know, Rocket Red just slapping him in the back and laughing, and Animal Man being really <laughs> not sure what he's even doing there. The expressions when Captain Adam addresses the group, and they're all sort of bored, and um, his speech is not the best. Maxwell Lord's fake smile, uh, the, the way people are angry or think something is funny or... You know, there's a lot of the great expression. Oh, yeah. And I was actually surprised that I liked Bart Sears' work so much 25 years on. Yeah. 30 years on? Yeah, 30 years on. I, I did like that, too. The the There is something very 90s starting with how sexy the characters are. Okay. Uh, and not just the ladies. No, I yeah, mean, the guys are very cut. Yeah, the guys are very cut. I mean, every time you see Captain Adam from head to... Half calf, I guess. He's always being sexy. He looks like an underwear model all the time. You know, the way he just leans on the desk. You know, it's very... It, it, everything is very... I'm guessing they're aiming for a older... It's it's not kids' comics anymore. They all seem to be posing every time we see a panel. And, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just that it's constantly this. It's It, it seems... It kind of seems like a soap opera where... You know, everybody in soap operas are always either trying to be sexy or are sexy. or So that's how it felt a little bit. There's one um, thing I want to draw people's attention to is the strain. I guess maybe Elongated Man had been in Chicago recently. I'm not sure where he was prior to this. But I feel like when he's throwing shade on Chicago as opposed to Paris and mm -hmm. the headquarters in Paris, she really should have said Detroit. <laughs> he was part of the Just League Detroit League. Really? Yeah. And, I mean, they worked out of a bunker, an underground bunker in Detroit. <laughs> so, if you're going to compare a city to Paris, that probably and was a Justice League headquarters. I mean, I, I feel like that should have been Detroit, not Chicago. And uh, I will explain a joke that I don't... I don't know how much Russian literature... Mm -hmm. But this is a very strange joke either way. Whether you're a teenager reading this back in the day, whether you're someone, any comics reader today, what is this joke about Rocket Red's kids? I don't know. I had this to look it up. This will not win the Bwahaha Award <laughs> at that point it because it is so strange and, I don't know, elitist. Uh, Jam Demetrius having a lot of fun, I guess. But Rocket Red lies about his kids' names. Yeah, his actual kids are called Misha and Tasha. That's he, he does have 
a boy and a girl. But he names like four of them. And Animal Man recognizes those names as the brothers Karamazov. So good on Buddy for knowing his... Uh, Russian literature. His Russian literature. And then uh, Rocket Red says, no, no, I, they're twins and they're called uh, some other names. Ivan, Aloida, Dmitri Jr. and Smerdyakov were the brothers Karamazov. And then he says, no, no, they're called uh, Raskolnikov and Mishkin. And then Animal Man says, well, forget I asked. Because he's also read, apparently, <laughs> Crime and Punishment and The Idiot. Because those are the characters from that those books. What is this Dostoevsky I don't know. There's a lot joke. of... There's a lot of name dropping because uh, you know uh, Officer Camus is still it's another one of these you know literature Camus names. yeah exactly so I think, Camus. I think yeah. I think that uh, Giffen just lost a bet <laughs> and had to put in and Demetrius Demet- had yeah, yeah got somebody, to put in <laughs> somebody just this bought is Europe beer. this is Europe yeah exactly we, this is going to be a lot more cultured <laughs> so name dropping authors. Although there's like Leah Iacocca is also like a dated reference. It's just like a very weird literary reference. It's very weird. That the characters are <laughs> both aware of. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're very re- well-read uh, superheroes. Yes, more so than... Everybody else. That we are. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you right now, I have not read those books. I didn't know I had to look it up. <laughs> I knew it was a joke. And I, I thought, well, why? I don't know this. Are they... I know the the 80s had the Russian dancers were all the the, the thing and yeah. uh, we have you know we had Russian uh, hockey players and stuff like that you know coming to the to the West so I thought is that it and no uh, it was you know literary it's all Dostoevsky yeah I'm trying to read um, is it brothers I'm trying to read it's just the book stinks so much it's, well, a, <laughs> it's an older book and yeah. it's got that smell that musty smell and yeah. I just it my eyes start to water after. 10 minutes. Yeah. So I'm never going to finish that. <laughs> Not that edition of the book anyway. <laughs> Not unless it's breezy and you're outside. Even so. And it's written so tiny. It's oh. one of those bricks. It's like a super tiny script. So walking around with a book. Yeah. You can't really read anything. Uh, any last thoughts on uh, Justice League Europe number one? Uh, very reminiscent of uh, Justice League International. Uh, different characters playing different things. I was hoping for a Wally Ralph being the new blue and gold type mm. thing. It didn't really happen in this book, but I'm thinking maybe in the future. I never really read uh, Justice League Europe, so probably will check out a couple more. I like Giffen's humor and ways of looking at the superhero genre, so I, I might check it out a bit more, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they get some very strong storylines, mm-hmm. and eventually, I mean, this is going to last, JLE lasts uh, 68 issues, that's less than Legion. Uh, 68 issues and five annuals, and by issue 51, it becomes just League International. They change names again. Okay. It becomes League International, and I do not recommend that particular era of the book where they change the roster a bit, they move to a haunted castle in England, and the stories are pretty awful. Oh, now I'm intrigued. It's... Horrible. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> uh, but by then, JLA also is... Sucky. So, okay. yeah, the books just go downhill once once you don't have your Giffen and you're, it's yeah. just like they change directions and they just become very ordinary superhero scripts and worse than ordinary, I'd say. Oh, well. It's really like... That's disappointing. It happens. I mean, every series, eventually, you should sort of go out on a high or keep going and... Till, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll take another short break and when we come back... Your feedback, letters 
From the front. Let us from the front. Justice League International. Bwahaha Podcast. A new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M.D. Mateus. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Atom. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International. Blahaha Podcast. Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Letters from the front! Letters from the front! There should be a bugle thing there. I don't know. <laughs> Too late now. Yeah, I know. We're like four episodes to go. Uh, Bradley <laughs> Null says a pulp horror character who reeks. We, yeah, we're talking about Spectre number 24. Yeah. yeah right. That's right. Uh, Bradley Null says a pulp horror character who reeks of the 40s in a cyberpunk setting that reeks of the 80s. This story ages weirdly. Uh, I think I like it, but it could be my love for the weird showing again. Uh, Chris Franklin says, I love the comic shop stuff. I, oh, yeah, that's right. We had a comic book day yeah, yeah. clips. That was fun. That was fun. Talking that was to people, fun to yeah. do. He loved it, and he thought about trying to do something like that. No, I guess we scooped him. Uh, it's a great thing to do because, you know, we're podcasts. We're doing a lot of stuff with comic books and, you know, supporting our comic book. Yeah, free comic uh, book day is the perfect time. Yeah, to talk to people and, 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 you know, to get our name out there, but also get to know the people that might listen to us. So yeah. it was really fun. And if you were in that lineup and are now listening to the show. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> um, Chris continues, the Spectre always worked for me best as the big cosmic entity that shows up and lays the smack down, as in Crisis. And in the origin of the JSA, where he just decimates a German U-boat fleet single-handedly. I had the Fox Anderson showcase run reprinted in the Adventure Comics Digest. The battle with the demon throwing planets around was pretty out there for DC at the time, and I loved it. And then there's that awesome animated short where the Fleischer apparel run is funneled through a gritty 70s mystery crime drama. Uh, then we have Michel Fief who says, I'm surprised how underwhelmed you are with Tom Artis in general. He really was quite good, but incompatible inkers like in this issue plus a scattered resume never help. I gotta say, I was underwhelmed, more or less, but I best really like the art. So, don't paint us all with the same brush, Michel. That's right, we're different people, damn it. David Ace Gutierrez says, I have a problem with the cosmic mystic level characters like Dr. Fate and the Spectre. Their power set makes for quick story wrap-ups, so they always have to be taken out of things with some ridiculous reason that doesn't hold up upon the slightest of scrutiny. I should probably check out the Ostrander Mandrake run, though, and I should probably pick up more comics starring that Melbourne character. Really looking forward to seeing how satisfying his character arc can be. <laughs> ah, yes. Remember Melbourne. Remember? <laughs> Speaking of Melbourne, Paul Hicks says, uh, I had every issue of this Spectre run, but got rid of them all when the Ostrander Mandrake run came along. That was the Spectre I was looking for. <laughs> he just got rid... <laughs> That's a... Uh, I mean, uh, oh... I like this uh, series better. Throw out the other one. <laughs> out with the old. Replaced. His favorite alien, because we did ask that of our lineup yeah, at, yeah. The, at Free Comic Book Day. His favorite alien is The Thing. Ah, The Thing from The Thing. The Thing from The Thing. Okay. And possibly from The Thing from Another World. Yeah. The First Thing. The First Thing. That Thing. 
Uh, Rob Kelly says, I don't know if I agree that the Spectre only works as a side character. Oh, him and Dave. I know. Uh, but making him not quite so powerful undoubtedly helps. When Fleischer and Apero did their run on the character, he was less about picking up planets than buzz-sawing small-time crooks. It's like Old Testament stuff. Uh, <laughs> Brian Linton says, There were a lot of parallels drawn between the Spectre and Ghost Rider, another character with whom I'm not terribly familiar. I was curious if Ghost Rider had had a similar problem sustaining an ongoing title. If not, it would be interesting to look at the reason why. From what little I know of Ghost Rider, though he has a similar mandate, he doesn't operate at the same level or power level as the Spectre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's street. Although he is supernatural. He is more powerful in the movie uh, world where he has movies and the Spectre has none. He has Uh, two. But I think... Other than that. I mean, Ghost Rider is about riding motorcycles or other vehicles. The latest was like in a car. Well, the only thing they have in common is like this spirit of vengeance Mm -hmm. type thing. So are you going to be venging entire planets or are you going to be avenging street crime? So a bit like Rob was saying, the, the, the early 70s stuff was very street level. Yeah. The ghost shows up, poetic justice, gone. So it doesn't have to be world class. It's just like, I mean, obviously he can do anything, but he chooses, he's sort oh, of yeah. forced to attack certain targets. And those targets don't all merit cosmic level ability. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, he says, also my favorite species is probably uh, the Mon Calamari from Star Wars. Oh. Is that like... General Akbar. Akbar, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calamari, yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Uh, what else? Uh, Ward Hill Terry says, uh, On the page you shared, the evildoer has killed a cat using a knife. The specter explodes a brick and becomes a sort of wind down his throat. What more appropriate ways could the specter have responded? One by one, bricks burst out of the wall. Each one becomes a cat, attacks the bad guy. The hand holding the knife becomes a cat's paw and starts to stab the other parts of the body. The hand with the knife stays the same, but the rest of the guy turns into a cat, resulting in more self-stabbing. The dead cat's other eight lives manifest themselves for revenge. Any other ideas? You're totally right, Ward Hill, Terry. (laughs) I felt like we went down a rabbit hole of horror. (laughs) (laughs) A cat flap. A cat flap. A cat flap of horror. Um... Coming soon. <laughs> Cat Flap of Horror. <laughs> from DC Comics. Cat Flap. From the people who brought you House of Mystery. Cat Flap of Horror. <laughs> uh, but yeah, these are all better poetic justice ideas. The book was just not working on that level at all back yeah. then. Yeah, I think they were, I don't know, they were aiming more for the cyberpunk in In that story. But I mean, overall, I don't think Doug Mensch got the poetic justice element mm. from it. I wouldn't because know. It's not there. And I think that may be the key component mm-hmm. for wondering what makes the Spectre interesting. Because the Ghost Rider, like the other the, the other parallel, doesn't do that. Can't no, do that. Doesn't just... have, no. Beats people up with chains. Yeah. But the Spectre, what makes him cool is the magical element where let's let's do like an ironic ending, an ironic death. And that's it. all these ideas were better than what we actually saw. Yeah. Mauled by cats or eaten by a lion would have been... Anything cat-related. Yeah, yeah. A bigger cat stabs you with his claws and teeth. I like the eight lives thing. Uh, (laughs) Tim Price says, uh, Wow, Praxis introduced here. That fascinates my JLI brain. I almost have to look up the storyline just to see if his powers are the same by the time of uh, Justice League Quarterly. Speaking of JLI, did somebody say Justice League Europe? Oh, yes. 
Oh wait, about the metagene, let's not discount puns in people's names. The interaction between names and powers is too frequent to be a coincidence. Perhaps rather than a meta-human gene, it's a metaphysical gene. It interacts with the subconscious of not just the person, but those associated with him, and the resulting powers are driven by the collective impression of the metagene holder. <gasps> the phrase, that's so meta, is commonplace today, but didn't even exist then. Could it be a meta-gene? So, yeah, interesting, because... It's true that sometimes it's like your accident is what your powers derive mm. from, but very often it's your personality. It may be your actual name because a lot of villains or yeah. heroes have a name that turns out to be related to their yeah. power. Or maybe it's uh, Cisco giving you names, like in the Flash TV series. Yes, I know what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> that slight pause. <laughs> It's that slight pause. <laughs> uh, Facebook likes and shares from Chris Franklin, Clinton Robinson of Coffee and Comics, D. Bash, Derek William Crabb, Gene Hendricks, Gore Tolton, who says, The war's over. We can all go home. Well, please stick around another four months. Uh, <laughs> Jason Pope, Jonathan Brown, Max Romero, Max Traver, Pat Sampson, Paul Hicks, Rich Matsumoto, Robert Ward, Shag Matthews, who calls it the invasion after party at this point. It is. It is. Aftermath, after party. It's the big confetti uh, parade. parade. Mm. Uh, Terry O'Malley, Thomas Fovey on Google Plus, likes and shares from Martin Gray and the Hammer Strikes. Twitter, retweets and favorites from Abel Padzilla, Ange, Barnyard Stories, Bat, Brian K, Callum Nauer, Cash Flag, Chris, Chris Lewis, Coffee and Comics, who says he's listening to the latest Invasion episode, and what does he hear? Siskoid and Bass drinking coffee. The rest of the episode is good too. Who would do that? Was that your coffee sound? Uh, collected Editions, Comic Reflections, Kari Hodgden, Dave's Comic Heroes Blog, David A. Gutierrez, David Golding Art, DCOCD, Earth to Chris, Federico Hernandez H, Greg, Helen Votes, Hicks, Hokoff, The Irredeemable Shag of Firestorm Fan, Jeffrey Brown, Jim Ball, Jimmy McGlinchey, John Stinson Fernand, Justice's First Dawn, Justice Strike the Podcast, Keith G. Baker, Kenny Crowley Jr., Connell, Cristados, Legion Bloggers, Longbox Crusade, Longbox of Darkness, Lost in Time, Max Romero of its Plastic Man, Nuno Duarte, Reggie Reggie, Richard Field, Rob Deb, Rob Kelly Creative of Tons of Podcasts, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ryan Daly, Sam, Scott X, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Terrence Castonge, The 108th Sage, The Hammer Strikes, Tim Price, Warlock Thanos Podcast, Willie Yarbrough, WWDW RPG Podcast, and Zoom Yikonori. It's like it was a big month on oh, uh, wow. Twitter. <laughs> wow. Thank you very much, everybody. That's uh, that's very nice of you to you know tune in and, and share. That's great. Yeah. We're still in the after party. Yeah. And uh, going forward, we're looking at more spinoffs, more Fallout from uh, Invasion. So uh, we still got a few months to go. Woohoo! And if you want to take part in the conversation, firewaterpodcast.com is the best place to do that. It's the website. Yeah. You can leave comments. You will also find you on Twitter if you use the hashtag FWPodcasts. And uh, of course, Fire and Water Podcast Network has. A Facebook page mm -hmm. that people uh, use as well to talk to us. So please do, and uh, we'll see you next month. Next time on First Strike the Invasion Podcast, Blasters number one! Blasters? <laughs> <laughs>